What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Lambs Hill USPSA. And on today's episode, got a real treat for you guys. I actually had the chance a few nights ago to sit down with Lee Cabana, Area 7 Director for the USPSA, and uh, went over some of the bylaw changes and how the whole process worked out and, and uh, his thoughts on the process. So before we get into that interview... Uh, be sure to like, share, subscribe, all of that fun stuff. If you're watching this on YouTube, if you're listening to this on the podcast, check out the YouTube channel. Um, all all kinds of great stuff there. I've, I've mentioned it before. So, without any further ado, let's get into our chat with the Area 7 Director. All right, what's going on, everybody? Daryl from Lambsville, USPSA. I'm here with Lee Cabana, USPSA Area 7 Director and uh, newly remitted Vice President. Congratulations. Thank you, Daryl. Um, yeah, we're uh, going to talk bylaw changes, I guess, tonight. Um, I do have my new copy of the bylaws right here. Got to blurred out on the camera. But, yep. um, so, before we get into that... Uh, why don't we just get a little bit of a bio on Lee Cabana and when you started in USPSA and how you got to be director of Area 7? Well, I uh, am a native of Waterville, Maine. Uh, I've been uh, uh, away from Maine for about 25 years, returning in 1997. So uh, I... Uh, uh, had a couple of different careers in between. Uh, and uh, about 10 years ago, a friend essentially took me to the range. I had never shot a gun other than that Boy Scout camp when I was 12 years old. <laughs> I'd inherited my dad's uh, service 1911. And uh, he invited me out with his family and had a family shoot. And I had so much fun that day. I thought, you know what, I'm going to get into it. Yep. So I uh, uh, joined Capital City Rifle and Pistol Club. And uh, the guy that was going to end up being my mentor in firearms, a gentleman named Nate Wade, uh, upon seeing me there, tried to sell me a reloading press. I, I didn't even I didn't even know what a reloading press was at the time that you could even reload ammunition. But uh, he said, you know, Lee, you might enjoy my sport. So what's that? He said, well, it's called USPSA, and we you know shoot targets on the the move. He said, okay, uh, how, how much ammunition should I bring with me at the first match? He said, oh, a couple hundred should do it. <laughs> 200 rounds. <laughs> wow. And, uh, so uh, after my second match, I ended up being the match director at Capital City Rifle and Pistol Club. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, uh, you know, did my RO and then the CRO program. And um, when Dave Bold, who was my predecessor, uh, of uh, uh, area director uh, remarried and simply could not do the job anymore. He asked if I would be interested in running for the job. Okay. So I did that uh, three and a half years ago and ran unopposed. See, everybody in the area seven other than me was wise. Yeah. <laughs> they knew and, what uh, they were getting into. Yep. So uh, I am uh, three years into a four-year term as area director and will be uh, running for re-election this summer. So uh, it's been a, a good journey. I've gotten to see uh, uh, kind of the, the back office end of USPSA and hopefully I've been able to contribute to my level of ability to, to keep the sport going. Well, from what I've seen, you've been doing a uh, masterful job of it. So uh, I, I know you know, every time I go to a match and you happen to be there, you always make it a point to come up, say hello, shake my hand, and uh, always always give me a little little nugget of wisdom every time we, we see each other. So, yeah. Well, it's always fun talking the rules with you, and uh, there's a certain level of people in the sport that find some crazy enjoyment in tossing the rules back and forth and coming up with what might appear to be an oddball situation that actually did happen. 
and yeah. how a rule could be applied to that situation. So yes, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun talking with you. Well, I definitely enjoy all of the nuggets of wisdom. You seem to have quite a few. So, uh, so obviously, as Area 7 Director, you are a member of the USPSA Board of Directors. Um, and just in the last six months or so, it seems like the, the board has had a lot of light on it. Um, you know, six months ago, I've, I've said it in YouTube videos and podcasts, six months ago, a lot of the membership didn't even realize that USPSA had a board of directors. And now everybody is like coming out talking about the board. Do you feel that's a good thing that people are, are recognizing the board or, or what are your feelings on that? Well, I think it's a, it's a great thing because uh, we are a nonprofit corporation. The membership elects an area director to serve as uh, the member of the board. And uh, uh, it, 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 it's good for the membership to be interested in how the back office works. Right. And uh, and give their input, suggestions, uh, some of which are excellent and are incorporated. And, uh, uh, you know, my own personal experiences, many times in my life, I've gone into a meeting, for example, uh, thinking, I've got the solution. I know how this is going to play out. Uh, this is how it's going to happen. And I get into the meeting and somebody says, well, what about such and such? And I think to myself, you know, I never thought about that. Yep. And it can completely changes my perspective and, and often the direction that I want to go with. And it's that way with my fellow board members and the membership. When I talk to them, they'll mention something that I hadn't even considered before. Yeah, it's it seems like a lot of, a lot more people are getting more involved, as you say, in, in the back office type of stuff, um, especially since the whole thing with uh, the president being removed and and then the bylaws um, changes. And I'm sure you've been asked this a lot, but regarding the whole bylaws changing thing, where did that idea come from to, you know, I mean, I've ever even heard President uh, Sherwin Greenwood say it. I would just like to take this opportunity to apologize to USPSA President Sherwin Greenfield for completely screwing up his name. Sorry about that, Sherwin. Now, back to the interview. You know, we we have this opportunity to update the bylaws and whatnot. We decided to take it. Where where exactly did that come from? Or do you even know? Yes, uh, and I actually had a part in that. Uh, uh, this has been discussed for probably a couple of years, even before I joined the, the, the board of directors. And kind of starting at the end, and I'll go back, the bylaws as have been recently approved are essentially a flashback to the bylaws that existed six years ago. Okay. So uh, sometime in the late 1980s, the, uh, uh, the organization decided to hire what they called an executive director. And this executive director was responsible for running the admin, uh, uh, basically the admin side of the house, along with a elected USPSA president. Right. Okay. So, uh, uh, and that worked pretty good because uh, uh, we had a gentleman named Dave Thomas, who was a, a, a longtime USPSAer, who was the executive director and was the wizard behind the curtain, essentially. Because yeah. the president, uh, up till the Mike Foley area era, was part time, right? And most of these uh, people had full time jobs. Right. Immediately prior to uh, Mike, we had Phil Strader, who's an Area Seven guy, yep. worked for Federal. He had a full time job, and uh, his involvement was probably not as great as he would have liked. But we had a back-end guy uh, of Dave, you know, picking up things and, and, and running with it. Right. So um, uh, when uh, Phil left, Mike Foley was elected. And uh, Mike basically came to the board, this was prior to my joining, and said, look, I've got a, a plan here to grow the organization, make it financially solid, which it was not uh, prior to that. But it means combining the executive director and the president's position into one job. Yeah. 
And that was actually a more significant bylaw change than what we've just gone through. We right. eliminated the executive director. And uh, and Mike did a, had a great plan and he did a, a fantastic job putting the sport on a solid financial uh, footing. Uh, but what worried us and actually worried Mike too, uh, as early as two years ago, is that the skill set needed to run the back office Yep. And the skill set needed to be the face of the organization and the representatives of the sport are two different skill sets. Right. Right. And the odds of the membership electing somebody to have both sets of skills and do the job well was near impossible. Yeah. And, and, and as we know, maybe in, in elections that we've all participated in, and especially in USPSA, it's not even so much a popularity contest, but a name recognition. Yes, exactly. So just because someone recognizes the name of that top shooter who's running, they the membership doesn't know much about them at all, let alone uh, their admin ability. Right. We were afraid that could put the sport in jeopardy. So we've been talking, uh, started the talking about this, and, uh, uh, and of course, in the back of my mind was how, if we implemented this, how would we, how would this affect the current president, which is then Mike Foley? Right. And, and to Mike's credit, he was in favor of pursuing this, even knowing that it could mean he might not be hired for the job. Right. So I admire Mike for that. Well, when Mike left, that created this opening that we didn't have to worry about an incumbent. So, yeah. uh, so uh, uh, the thought then was, let's proceed with the bylaws change and get that done. And then we can have an election for president and then go back to hiring an executive director, which we're going to call managing director. Right. Now, a question I'm sure you're going to have, because it's been asked uh, a couple of times, <laughs> a couple of times, is uh, <laughs> we should have had the election for the president before changing the bylaws. Right. And there's validity to that. Uh, but it was a either choice was a difficult choice, because if we had had the election before changing the bylaws, uh, well, let me give you this example, Daryl. Let's imagine that you were applying for a job that paid $100,000 a year. It would be a full-time job. Yep. You were selected for the job and reported to work, quitting your current job. Then six weeks into that job, you would be told, Daryl, you know what? We're, we're downsizing you to a part-time job that's going to pay $20,000 a year. How would you feel about that? Mm. I, would, I would, personally, I would feel betrayed. I would right. feel horrible. And had we had the election prior to the changing of the bylaws, that's exactly the position we'd be putting somebody in. And, yep. and I refuse to do that to somebody. Right. Now, in retrospect, if we had this all to do over again, which I'm glad we don't, it might have been better when we started this process in the fall to say, here's what we're doing and we're going to, and, and here's our schedule for holding the election starting in January or something like this, which would have certainly quieted the fears that somehow we were doing something nefarious uh, behind the scenes. Right. Uh, but that's, uh, that's water uh, uh, under the bridge. Uh, and, and also in our, again, in retrospect, adjusting the bylaws was more complicated than I thought it was going to be because every section of the bylaws almost affects another section of the bylaws. Right? Yep. And then as we got into it, something we had not realized is over the years, we had gotten out of compliance with state of Delaware corporate law. Okay. Incorporated in the state of Delaware. Yep. Right? And in addition to defining roles and nailing that down, we had to feather in the legalities of uh, Delaware. Uh, here's a here's a great example. We have had uh, proxy voting yep. uh, as long as I've been on the board and before. And what a proxy is, is if let's say I could not make a meeting for whatever reason, I could allow Sherwin or one of my area directors to cast a vote on my behalf. Yep. That's not permitted in Delaware law. <laughs> yeah, right? 
and second, and here's a, another piece that uh, 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 people surfaced, is in our old bylaws, we had a purpose of the organization. And there were four or five bullet points as to what we were all about, which is what we were all about. Yeah. However, in checking the Delaware corporate documents that were filed in 1985 by the founding fathers, Bill Wilson, <laughs> all these luminaries yep. had something different. Hmm. And they were sort of the same, but not quite. And one of the lines talked about being a money-raising organization. Oh. So, okay. Well, Delaware law again says that your bylaws must completely reflect what it says in the corporate documents. Right. All right. All right. So in one of the mid drafts of the bylaws, we pulled out what our purposes were and boilerplated in what the corporate requirements were. And the backlash was like, you people are changing the mission of the organization. <laughs> and, and you know what, if I were looking at that for the first time, I'd say, you're right. Uh, we see, we've done kind of a, a less than great job in explaining what we're we're trying to do here. So uh, uh, what we've done is we've put in, in the bylaws, what Delaware law requires, then immediately below it, boilerplated what the bylaws used to say is our purposes. Right. So people understand what we're really about has not changed. Uh, we've just had to put in what the founding fathers decided to put in back in 1985. Yep. And <clears throat> not to put too fine a point on it, Daryl, one solution to that would have been to reincorporate the organization. Right. right. Well, when you reincorporate, there's some additional cost and stuff with that. That's not so bad, but we would then have to reapply for our tax exempt status. Yes. And in today's world, maybe we're being a little too nervous about that, but in yeah. today's world, who knows? So that's why we took the approach that we've done. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I do like the, um, uh, where was it here? Yeah. in on the, uh, USPSA website, uh, for the viewers and the listeners, if you go to member resources, once you're signed in, go to BOD minutes, they actually put in a link to the USPSA certificate of, in, uh, certificate of incorporation yes. in there so that yes. people can can actually look at that and, and see where some of these changes actually came from. And you see, Daryl, the other thing to, that we tried to work through to a degree is that bylaws are a governance document, not an implementation document. Right. So, uh, for example, the, uh, the old bylaws under uh, the membership meetings specifically says that the board of directors must meet at least once a year in person. Yep. And there was a subset below that that said members can petition the board to observe that that meeting. Yep. Well, that was stripped out. And people were some people said, my goodness, you're trying to shut off the membership. Right. You're trying well, to blind everybody. That's correct. Well, that's not the case. What we've done is that's really not a governance item. Right. That is a policy item. So that was pulled out of bylaws and has been put into policy. Okay. So the membership can still petition at the at the in-person board meeting to attend and sit in. So yep. that hasn't changed. But by by weeding out the things that didn't belong there and putting it somewhere else, at first glance, it looks like we're you know hiding behind something. That's not the case. Right. Trying to and hide behind have, the bylaws or something yeah, like that. Yeah. And to Sherwin's credit, uh, the old bylaws required an annual meeting of the membership, right? Correct. And uh, and, it, uh, and that was required to be held at a national championship match. Uh, prior to this last year, I've been to all the ones that I was able to attend, and they were attended by about 15 people. A couple were attended by four or five people. Half of them were the staff of USPSA. Yep. And it was essentially a recap of what had been accomplished by the organization in the prior year. Sherwin has decided to, instead of having a dog and pony show style meeting for a half a dozen people, to say that at every single nationals, we are going to have an open mic membership meeting. Yep. 
and, and every area director that is president at that nationals is going to sit in front of a panel and listen and take questions from the membership. Yeah. And of course, as you can imagine, the first one we did, which was the only one we've done so far in uh, Talladega, yeah. had about 75 people at each one of them. And they were great questions. Uh, 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 and it was interesting that the membership got to see some of the contradictory opinions of, of themselves. I'll give you a great example. Uh, 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 production 15, okay? If you want to get something, a discussion started about among production shooters to say, I think we should increase mag capacity in production to 15 rounds yep. or mag size of 141 millimeters. Well, at this meeting, there was at least two people that got up who were adamant that increasing it to 15 was essential to the survival of production. And two people got up and spoke that if we did that, it would destroy production. Exactly. Okay. And, you know, you can, there's validity to each one of those, uh, but it shows that it's almost for like Newton's law. There's an equal and opposite opinion for almost any opinion in USPSA. Right? <laughs> yes. 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 Everybody, everybody has an opinion and nobody and likes each other's. And they're passionate about it. Yes. Yep. So uh, let's see. I'm just looking down through my, my notes here. Regarding the, the bylaw changes and stuff, um, obviously USPSA puts out a draft of the bylaws and they say, okay, we want to hear from the membership. What do you like? What do you don't like? You know, what don't you like? Things like that. How much did member comment play into what the board was doing with the bylaws? Had a huge impact. Uh, some uh, 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 suggestions were non-starters or someone would make a suggestion saying simply, you guys all suck, right? <laughs> That's not very helpful. <laughs> no, no, it is no. not. Yeah. yeah, but you know, um, uh, offhand trying to think of a couple of examples. Uh, well, first, obviously the incorporation of the addition of the principles of the organization into the uh, organization, organizational structure. We had put in a, a requirement that individuals had to be a life member of USPSA before even running for office. Yeah. And people said, you know what, you're, you're, you're really raising the, bar too raising the bar too high for entry there. And we agreed, we took that out. Yeah. Um, um, there were a number of uh, bullet points. I would say a good, well, first they were all discussed. And uh, the, I would say probably 25 to 30% were actually incorporated in the changes. Yeah, I, I was noticing there were a lot in, in some of the meeting minutes of, okay, there was a discussion on this member comment regarding this. There was a discussion on member comment regarding this. So I think I think that really showed the membership that the board is listening and the board will listen. You just need to talk to them. They're not they're not a group of eight or nine mind readers. You, right. you need you need to reach out to your area directors and tell them how you feel. Yes. And and that goes to uh, uh, during the shooting season anyways. When I'm going to be going to matches throughout Area 7, I like to put on the Area 7 Facebook page, hey, I'm going to be at these matches next month. Please introduce yourself to me. I want to uh, talk to you. Yep. And as much as I can, when I squad at another club, I try to squad with people I don't know. Right. All right. Okay, you know, you, it, and, and, and truly, you know, Daryl, part of the fun of USPSA for me, since I am not a great shooter, <laughs> so uh, my contribution to the sport is not going to be made while I'm pulling the trigger. Uh, my, I enjoy the sport for the people that are in it and the friends I make and friends I keep. And uh, and the only way you make new friends is to squad with people you don't know. Right. Yeah. Yep. I I completely agree on, on that aspect. Uh, yeah, I've met quite a few very, very nice, very helpful people such as yourself. Um and a lot of others at, at matches. And it it's a great time every time I show up. Yes, sir. You never know who you're going to meet and who you're going to get along with. So, yeah. 
Um, there are obviously bad apples, but you get that pretty much everywhere. Um, so you you mentioned it a little bit in your previous comment um, with some of the member comments. There there seems to be, and I'm sure you've seen it all over social media, a lot of resentment towards the board and the things that they were doing with the bylaws. I believe one person even commented um, yesterday when USPSA put on their Facebook page that the bylaws were done, they were finished, here are the new bylaws. Somebody actually called it a tragedy of a sham. Interesting. What what would you have to say to to people that, that say stuff like that? Yeah, I, I have to know more details, kind of like you guys suck. Uh, right. More. But when you look at it from the lens that the bylaws as they exist today are 95% of the way the bylaws were in the pre-Foley era. Does that person think the bylaws were a travesty seven years ago? Right. Okay. Because the the 95% is a restoration of the way it used to be with some nuances. So for example, uh, 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 we've implemented uh, caps on uh, 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 contract authority. So uh, under the Foley era, and this is no criticism of Mike, Mike essentially had all the keys to the kingdom. Right. And and he was authorized that. He could sign contracts. He could commit us to do things. Uh, And the thought was, you know what? Uh, Before someone commits us to a $25,000 expense, there needs to be at least a second person aware of that. So we've established uh, caps for what the president can commit us to and what the managing director can commit us to. Okay. A level above that, both have to be on the signing line. And above an even higher level, the board of directors has to be on the signing line. Right. Uh, I think most of us on the board would agree that uh, uh, the proper word is we delegated probably more authority to the presidency than we probably should have. Because as the, the board is ultimately responsible for the success or failure of the organization. Correct. Right? It's on us. Yep. Uh, but as volunteers, we delegate aspects of the organization to Gary Nash, the chief financial officer, Jake Martins, who's in, in media, yep. uh, uh, Troy McManus and, uh, you know, uh, uh, the director of NROI. Uh, but we've decided to take back a little more of that authority for a little more oversight by the board of directors. Okay. I like that. Uh, it's not without its risks because we now have a managing director, a president, and a board of directors. And at some point, there's going to be some overlap there. Right. We've got to be very careful uh, uh, to make sure there's either not a dropping of the ball in between or a butting of heads over authority. So that's kind of the downside to it. But I like the idea that the board of directors is resuming a little more responsibility and oversight in how things are are operated. And one one thing, just on a personal note, that I'll say about the board is I like the fact that the board is made up of not only USPSA members, but actual competitors in the sport, range officers, range masters, things like that. I mean, there are companies out there, a um, a affiliate of the company that I work for, the... CEO of the company spent 25 years as the CFO of the Frito-Lay Corporation. What does this guy know about selling auto parts? Probably never even walked into an auto parts store before in his life. Yes. And yeah. you you unfortunately find a lot of, of companies and stuff with board members like that, that really don't know a whole lot about the company that they're on the board of. So yes. I I like the fact that First off, the board is elected by the membership and it's other members that are, you know, that know the sport inside and out that make up the board. 
Yes. We're, we're shooters first, we're members first, and we happen to serve on the board of directors. And, and what, what I find neat in the, the makeup of our, our, the area directors now is there's a great range of uh, different uh, interests. For example, uh, the area two director has great experience in IPSC. He yep. travels the world shooting IPSC matches. I've learned more about IPSC in the last two years than I ever learned before. And we've got a couple of guys who are open, uh, dedicated open shooters. Well, I'm not an open shooter. So I've learned a lot about open guns and things like that. So uh, uh, I, I'm exposed to other aspects of the sports that I would not have otherwise been. Uh, and I've learned a whole lot just on the, the shooting level. Right. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's see here. A uh, couple of meetings back, there was um, a lot of more or less decisions that were made regarding the bylaws and, and comments and stuff. And I kept seeing the word consensus or the phrase consensus of the board is this on this yeah. topic. Consensus is this. And I, I've seen a lot of people. What, what do they mean by consensus? How, how did this person vote on this? How did that person vote on this? Was it simply more of a time thing? You you didn't really have the time to sit there and take an actual recorded vote on each and every single topic? So you just decided to do a consensus of the board? Or what, what did that whole thing look like? So a consensus is kind of like, Daryl, you and I are going to take a road trip, okay? And... Uh, we have a choice. We can go take Interstate 95, yep. or we can take the scenic coastal route. And we got three or four other people in the car. And we say, well, what do you guys think? Well, we're taking the trip tomorrow. Let's just go around the room and see. You want to go 95 of the scenic coastal route? You'll say, I want this, I want this. And lo and behold, we realize that everybody wants a scenic coastal route. Right. right. So, all right, at least we know what that consensus is. Tomorrow we'll talk about where we're going to stop along the way on that coastal route. That's what the consensus uh, means and how it was implemented. It's like going around the room, is this even, is this even worth talking about? Right. And, and it would happen a couple of times where people say, yeah, 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 I don't, yeah, I don't. Okay, let's table, it's essentially let's table that. Consensus, consensus means, hey, this is something worth digging into a little more. We know it's, we're not gonna waste our time really digging into it. So consensus is, yeah, we're on the table. Eight out of eight say, yeah, we like that idea. All right, we'll talk about it a little more later. And speaking of tabling things, um, just looking at the minutes from the uh, the last meeting, the in-person meeting, I noticed, uh, you know, it, the board has been working on the bylaws for, what, six months now, roughly? Um, uh, in, in depth since uh, since September, yes. All right. And here we are where we've got the board, we're at the meeting, and we're right on the verge of finalizing the bylaws and making them official. And then one person raises their hand and says, eh, why don't we table this, this bylaw review until after the special election? Mm -hmm. Did everybody just look at this person and say, what? <laughs> I, I I can't imagine being in that room when when somebody said that. I mean, what what was the mood in the room like at that point? Well, when we were at that point, uh, there was a pall of seriousness. You know, when, when we're at the, these meetings, there's a lot of laughs and cutting up and, and joking and uh, storytelling and, and stuff like that. But as we were approaching that point of the meeting, it got to be dead serious. And uh, you're talking about Chad, uh, 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 a good guy. And he said, look, the feedback I've, I've been getting from my membership is telling me they don't want to, to move ahead with this. And he says, I'm going to exercise my prerogative, essentially, as the voice of the membership and saying, we ought to put this on hold. Right. And another uh, individual, uh, uh, Matt Hopkins, seconded that. Okay. And uh, and of course we said, you know, you know, it's something that we knew could happen at any time. Right. Okay. And I'm surprised 
we actually got as far as we got without that really becoming serious and surfacing. And uh, you know, so we went around the room and took the vote, and there was not enough votes for it to, uh, to pass. Where uh, really got serious is shortly after that, and Sherwin said, "Okay, it's essentially nut cutting time. It's time to take the vote." Yeah. And boy, you could feel the temperature in that room go down <laughs> because we knew, you know, everything that we had worked for for so long and uh, weekly meetings, weekly meetings yeah. uh, going on sometimes till midnight and or one o'clock in the morning uh, uh, came down to that. And uh, the, the two uh, area directors that had surfaced the tabling voted no. Uh, as and I and they did it respectfully, and I've got no issues at all with with their vote. They voted their conscience, yeah. which is great, uh, and it passed. And and with them voting no, um, uh, uh, where am I here? So yeah, the the bylaws were approved. You ended up having. Uh, Two members, Area 3 and Area 4, voting no. Yeah. But those gentlemen made it quite clear, even in the meeting minutes that I have here in front of me, as to why they voted no. And that is because they were doing the will of their membership based off the feedback that they had received. That, that is correct. And, the, and you see what most people don't consider uh, and this a little kind of deeper in, uh, there was a conflict of interest uh, provision yes. for board members, uh, which, by the way, was that conflict of interest was uh, strengthened uh, at this meeting. And essentially, we cannot make decisions on things that could benefit, benefit us financially. Right. So, for example, two members of the board, one is actually running for president. Yep. And another has expressed his interest in running for president. That's uh, uh, Matt Hopkins. Yep. And uh, uh, they were asked and uh, completely agreed that in discussions of the president's role and pay, especially, yep. they would refrain from discussion, which is right. absolutely proper. Right. So layering that in. Uh, the, the objections of the two uh, uh, area directors or the, the request to table was to table pending the election of the president. Right. Right. So if that had happened, what we would have been faced with is not only hiring a president who didn't know not, who did not know what the job was, because there would be a conflict of interest on their part in any discussion about the role of the presidency or yeah. the pay of the presidency they would have not be able to talk about it. You know, uh, there were a, a number of member comments have said, uh, well, you need to have this election so the president can voice the voice of the, the membership. Right. Well, he'd be in a conflict of interest about 90% of the time and wouldn't be able to speak. Right, because he's talking about changing his own job. Exactly essentially. right. Correct. So you can see the dilemma that we were, were in on this so I, I, I still come down on the fact that we've done the right thing by delaying the election until this got nailed down. So whoever runs for and takes a job knows what they're taking and what the comp package is. Right. That way, you know, and that I've, I've actually had friends that have had sort of stuff like this happen. I had one friend that got hired for an IT role, um, you know, kind of, uh, you know, all inbound calls, people, my computer doesn't work or whatever. That's the job he applied for. That's the job he got hired for. Six months later, they dissolve that tech support division and move him over to telemarketing. And he's like, this this isn't what I applied for. I don't want to do this job. Yeah, so true. And And that's kind of the same thing here. You don't want to elect a president and then a few months later, completely changed their job description. That's correct. And, and, and if we did that, people could say, maybe even rightly, that you guys didn't like the person that was elected. Therefore, you're changing the description to minimize their impact 
and so on and so on and so forth. So right. you, yeah. So every every decision has up and downsides to it. And I and I still believe that what our decision was had more upside to it for the organization and for the individual than the downside. Yeah, it's it's just one of those situations you have to really look at the pros and the cons. And if the pros outweigh the cons, then you kind of need to go that way. Yes. Just for the sanity of everybody involved. Um, uh, let's see here. So just, just a question I want to throw out there is throughout this whole process, do you believe – or how how do you believe that this whole process affected you and the other directors as area directors and as far as representing your membership? Well, it's given all of us a deeper insight into the bylaws themselves. Uh, uh, Sherwin, now president, was always the bylaws guru. And whenever we had a bylaws question, we'd always turn to Sherwin and say, well, Sherwin, what do you think about this? Right. Uh, uh, and he'd give us his opinion, which is always sound. Well, now all of us have a much deeper understanding of how the bylaws work. Uh, and, and having us more, even more attuned to what members say and what their opinions are. So here's a, another example. What I think is a great example. Uh, um, that's a great, way, a good way to put this. So, when we have rules changes, we've we've agreed that we need to get the input of the membership a little more. Okay, but that's easier said than done. So, for right. example, uh, 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 let's imagine we're talking about rules changes in production. Okay, so we do we uh, as we both know in politics. How you phrase a question really drives what the answer is going to be. Right? You can yep. you can phrase a poll in such a way to get the results you want. Yep. So when we ask the opinion of our members, we have to be careful to ask it in such a way that is not predisposing the answer. Right. Right. Second, if I want the membership's opinion on production fifteen. Should a guy that only shoots open, should their opinion be as valued as the person that just shoots production, right? Right. Should the production shooter's opinion in changing revolver have as much impact as the revolver guy? No, I don't think so. Right. Because they don't shoot that. It's like a, a different universe. Right? Yeah. You know, the person that's shooting open has got a totally different concept of the sport than Skip Sprague. Yep. <laughs> who shoots sometimes six-shot revolvers, right? Yep. So um, as I, I've asked uh, 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 Rick, who was our IT guy, and uh, Sherwin, our president, when we go out to ask the membership's opinion, we should actually work with a consultant to say, how do we phrase this? How do we weight different people's opinion? On, on, a, on the topic yeah. and to make sure that when we ask the question, we really ask the question correctly. Okay? Right. So we're, we're not, we're not, uh, we're not skewing the results. So what seems a simple thing to say, you want to ask the membership's opinion more often. Yes. But it's more nuanced than that. Right. So it's something that we are going to be doing. It's going to be something, it's going to be something more than a jot monkey or a survey monkey, uh, uh, survey right yeah and you know and you know probably what has surprised me more than anything in my time as the area director is out of our 35,000 members only half shot a match last wow. year or even the year before or even pre-covid wow uh, we're working through uh uh, a slot policy for the Area 7 Championship in the fall. Yep. And uh, I've gotten a list of everybody that shot one or more matches right. last year. 50% did not shoot one match. And something like 250 people only shot one match. Wow. That, that's, yeah. right. that, that's crazy when right. you think about it. 
Yes. So when I ask someone's opinion on production and you only shoot one match a year, even if you're a production shooter, how much should I weigh that opinion? Right. See? Yeah. You know, and and I'm sure a lot of the membership would say, oh, well, you know, this 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 is easily just if you have something for production that you want to change, just put out a poll or a questionnaire to everybody with a production classification. Well, yeah, you can do that, but how many members of USPSA have a classification in every division? Yes. You know, and you yeah. you know, you may have a limited shooter like myself. I could go out and shoot an all classifier with a PCC and get my PCC classification. Big deal. I shot one match PCC. I now have my PCC classification. Doesn't mean I'm qualified to make decisions on PCC. You know, I'm I'm a limited shooter. That's what I've always shot. And, and the other thing that I've learned too, uh, and of course, through my life experience, I was aware of it, but more so now is the concept of unintended consequences. Right? So, and the the most recent example of unintended consequences are the permission of flashlights on guns. Yep. Right? And uh, uh, the rationale for allowing flashlights in production and carry optics was and is the fact that the firearms are evolving. Yes. Okay. And it's a wonderful thing. I mean, the, uh, uh, if, if it wasn't, we'd still be shooting just 1911s and, and revolvers. Yep. And we live in the golden age of firearms. There's stuff coming up all the time. Yep. So, uh, and I'm sure you've seen it at matches where uh, a new, especially a new shooter comes out uh, to the match with a nine millimeter. It's their carry gun yep. and they have a flashlight on it, right? Yep. Well, that guy wants to compete with a gun that they carry. Makes sense. Right. Should that person now have to shoot in the open division? Does, no. does that guy really want to compete against Zach Grinier yep. and Chris Austin in the open division with his nine millimeter. Right. No. Yep. So we thought, you know, we want to let people shoot in a division that at least is reasonably competitive for them. Yep. And uh, just like five or six years ago, people start to want to shoot dots on their guns. Yep. You know, there were a number of well-known podcasters when uh, carry optics was created saying that division was going to be a flop. We shouldn't be doing carry optics. Right. Well, it's right now the most popular division in USPSA with 30% of the activities. Yep. Why? Because people are buying those guns. Right. Conversely, why do automakers not make station wagons anymore? Uh, well, because people stop buying them. People stop yeah. buying them. Yep. <laughs> That's correct. So um, uh, the unintended consequence of the flashlights, at least in the beginning where people trying to fool around with the system and get buying blocks of uh, brass, yep. drilling a little hole, okay, <laughs> and it's definitely a flashlight. Okay. Yep. So I haven't seen a lot of that. Right. Uh, in retrospect, perhaps it would have been the proper thing to have made that a level one exemption going in. Yes. All right. Uh, but you see, that's the unintended consequence. Uh, we talked about this. Uh, it seemed like a good idea at the time. I still think it's a decent idea, but there were unintended consequences. Uh, but still, you know, I have uh, one or two guys a month that show up at my match in Augusta that shoot their uh, uh, carry optics uh, gun with a flashlight from appendix. Yep. Right. That person should not have to compete in the open division. Right. And so that's what happened there. And that's why we did that. Uh, but there were unintended consequences that you, we had eight highly knowledgeable area directors, the president, director of NROI around this table. And no one surfaced the idea of the, the brass weight with the LED in it. Right. Well, so now you put that out to the membership. Uh, I bet they have as many blind spots as we do. Okay. Yep. So uh, just putting out to the membership, while it's a good thing, is not a blanket solution and has also its unintended consequences. 
Right. There's there's always going to be people out there trying to game the system. You know, oh God, and, yes. Because you know what? It's a game. Ultimately, it, this it, is a game. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and it's funny you you talk about people, you know, newer shooters showing up shooting their carry guns. My very first match in Hamden, that's that's what I shot my Springfield XDS carry gun. That sure. that's the gun I carry all the time. You know, it didn't have an optic or a flashlight. I think I shot at limited ten that day, yeah. but. You know, it's it's what I had. Um, and then the next match, I switched to the Glock, which I had had long before I had the Springfield. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think we're, yeah, we'll probably start wrapping up here. Um, you mentioned Augusta. Um, obviously, uh, you are kind of the big cheese down there. Um but it, I, it seems like you're kind of grooming Linda Pool along to uh, to follow in your footsteps. Well, um, actually, I am not the match director, Daryl. Uh, you're not. Uh, no, Josh Holmes is the match director. Okay. And you see, people think I'm the match director because Josh is a National Guardsman who was deployed for 18 months, uh, only okay. returning in December. So when he got the word that he was being deployed. He asked me to step in and be the interim match director. So take over. And uh, so I, yeah. So uh, I, I am now basically just another shooter. Uh, Josh is the match director, and Linda is uh, primarily responsible for the admin side, make sure the tablets are charged, collecting the money, and that. While Josh is still in charge, doing the stage design. And putting the match on the ground. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Augusta will be holding an Ipsic match this year. I I saw her on the on the practice score calendar. Uh, Daryl, so, you have kind of broken there a little bit. What's that? No, oh, now it's telling me my internet connection is unstable. You 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 your face is frozen, but I can hear you. Oh, okay. Weird. Um. So. Yeah, I can hear you. All right. Um, Augusta is going to be hosting an IPSC match uh, this year. Kind of something something a little different for the area. Is that? Yeah. Um, yeah. I. Uh, so I have not actually run this past Josh yet. I, uh, I decided to do that while I was still the acting match director. Yep. And uh, a- a- as you know, USPSA is a region of IPSC. Yes. And uh, uh, the IPSC rules are similar to, but not identical to USPSA rules. Yep. And IPSC basically allows production 15. Oh, jeez. All right. So, uh, I, so I thought, you know what? We are, a, uh, uh, we're, uh, we are authorized to put on IPSC matches. So let's do an IPSC match and run it by US, uh, IPSC rules with their gun set. And uh, they also require a certain mix of stages, uh, so many uh, uh, quick stages, so many field courses. And, of course, obviously, you use the IPSC uh, paper uh, exclusively. Right. So uh, I have asked Saul Allen if he would be willing to study up on the IPSC rule book and be an RO taking a squad at that match. I'll do that. And I've got to find a couple other people that are willing to have a working knowledge of the IPSC rule book and be willing to take a squad at that match. And, uh, yeah, why not? Right. It's, you know, like I said, it's, it's something different, you know, something different. Yeah. I mean, we, we have USPSA up here. We have IDPA up here. You know, why not throw in an IPSC match or two? Why? You know, just have some fun. Exactly. So, um, yeah. And something I hope uh, maybe Augusta can do in the future, and maybe even Hamden, because uh, remember, I'm, I'm a member of the Hamden Club, too, yep. uh, is maybe putting on a two-gun match. You know, that would be, pistol be interesting. And rifle. Yeah. And you see, you could shoot both a uh, either a PCC or your AR yep. at that match, along with a handgun. Right. And while that would be a little more complicated to put on the ground than a pistol match, it would be significantly less complicated than a multi-gun match throwing right. in the shotgun. 
and even last even last year in 2021 Hamden put on an action rifle match that was just rifle yeah. but it was kind of a USPSA style sort of match which I thought was kind of interesting yes yeah so so many ways to have fun and shooting Daryl yep that there are um so a couple couple big matches coming up this year. Obviously, the Trident Armory Standby to Fly benefit match main state championship. Um, I worked that match last year, as did you, and uh, definitely had a lot of fun looking forward to it this year. The other big one is the Area 7 Championship coming to Hamden. Um, Isn't that amazing? That's that's going to be that's going to be fun uh, with Dan as the match director. Um, I noticed you're not one of the range masters for that one. What's are you just going to take a break from that one and just be a shooter, or or what's up well, with that? Well, I uh, I was not a range master at last year's Area Seven match either. Okay. So uh, uh, we have uh, two range masters committed. We have Dave Bold, who's an Area Seven resident, who's in Massachusetts, yep. and Ray Hurst who is a range master instructor from Illinois who loves coming to Maine. So we don't need three range masters. Right. And this, this gives me the opportunity to visit and talk to the shooters in area seven at the match and get to know people. I can, you know, do my politicking and, you know, kissing the babies and (laughs) having, having shooting the match and just having fun talking with people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can see that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I I think that's going to be a uh, going to be a fun match, as well the the Trident match. I may dip my head into the Ipsic rulebook and see uh, see what I can do there. Maybe go down and uh, if you guys have the match, go down give you a hand. Obviously. Well, thank you, um, thank you. I, I I'll I'll mark you down. <laughs> And uh, and you just committed yourself there. Ah, damn. That's all right. I'm I'm re- I'm erasing this after we get done anyway. So <laughs> nobody will ever hear about it. Um, yeah. And obviously, with the Trident Armory match and the Area Seven Championship, uh, if I can help out with either of those in any way, uh, obviously you know I'll I'll do my best to do so. Um. Yeah, that's uh, that's about all I got. Uh, Lee, I just want to thank you for taking time out of your your night to uh, to do this with me, and for reaching out and volunteering to uh, to do an episode here with me. I I really do appreciate it. I appreciate all the support that you've given not only to me as a shooter, but also the YouTube channel and and what I'm trying to do. So thank you. You're welcome. It's been a it's been a blast. Love talking shooting. Love talking USPSA. I do as well. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Lee Cabana, Area 7 Director and USPSA Vice President, also a member of the USPSA Rules Committee, which is kind of kind of interesting if you're a rules guy like myself. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I think we'll cut it off here. And, uh, Lee, again, thank you very much. I will see you at the match, or the next match that we uh, both attend. and. Have yourself a great evening. Thank you. You too, Daryl. Looking forward to shooting with you again. All right. Thanks, Lee. And there you have it, guys. Right from one of the horse's mouths, Area 7 Director Lee Cabana. Um, really had a lot of fun on the this interview with Lee. Great guy to talk to. I always enjoy going to matches with him and chatting with him and, and all that great stuff. Um, he really is a uh, very personable individual. So I just, again, want to send a big thank you to Lee for reaching out to me and offering to do an episode uh, talking about the bylaws and and everything else that we ended up getting into. Uh, the, you just saw the actual recorded part. Uh, after we got done with the official interview, we just sat around and talked for about another half hour or so about whatever. So, um, so big thank you to Lee. I really do appreciate him taking time out of his night to, to chat with me. So, 
that is all I've got for you guys for this week. Be sure to check out all the other videos we have on the YouTube channel. Check out all the podcast episodes where we talk about the, the process and go over the meeting minutes of the bylaws process and whatnot. So that's it from the top of Lambs Hill. As always, shoot safe. Thank <laughs> you.